Hello everyone, I'm Lynn Kermondo. I'm here for Yoga U with Celeste Mendelssohn. Celeste is an IAYT certified yoga therapist and she's a professional yoga teacher at the ERYT 500 level. And the focus of her work since 2014 has largely been in the area of working with people who, have, who are in recovery from substance abuse disorder. Celeste has studied under some great teachers uh, who are experts in the field, for example, Durga Leela, and Nikki Myers, and Hala Kuri, but she also has a personal connection to this topic in uh, dealing with substance abuse disorder and childhood trauma, having grown up in a household where those were present, and also in some of her adult relationships. So she's got some personal experience Celeste's first experience with yoga was for back pain management for her own body, but she also found that it enhanced all the other areas of her life. And more importantly, she started to see that connection of how you could tap into healing properties that you might find in a 12-step program with yoga. So uh, a lot of her study recently has been to merge the worlds of ancient yogic philosophy with the language of modern 12-step or other recovery programs, and that's been a fascinating area of study for her that I'm going to ask her about. She works with clients one-on-one -on -one in group settings, inpatient, outpatient, in workshops, so she's got a, a varied background of working with substance use disorder, which makes her a great uh, person to talk to us about this important topic. So welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much, Lynn. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And we're so happy to have you back. Now, over the past few years, yoga therapy has been gaining prominence and uh, getting a more favorable reception, let's say, in the integrative health world. And I've seen several evidence-based studies recently about yoga for substance use disorder that show some real positive results. Can you talk a little bit about what you've discovered and also how the acceptance of yoga has been evolving in more traditional settings? My experience has been that yoga um, is a great facilitator for people um, recovering from substance use disorder to reconnecting to their bodies, the felt sense. It's something that gets lost in trauma. And I don't know anyone who is working through substance use disorder that has not had trauma in their background. They go together very closely. And in trauma, that disconnection is what happens. Yoga allows people to get back into their bodies in an easy and comfortable and threatening way. It allows them to reconnect with breath, to their sensations, so that they can understand that their body has messages for them. What I like to say in class is that the mind will lie to you, but the body never lies. I like that. Now, are you finding, though, more acceptance, say, from the other practitioners, the medical community, the counselors? What are you finding, you know, in the institutions themselves, if I could use that word? You can. Actually, it's really kind of, it's fun and it's exciting because, um, because it's new, 
the idea of yoga in treatment. I mean, not, not having classes, but the idea of using yoga as a tool to actually help people heal is somewhat new. They're very excited about the concept. I have had counselors and I give them when they're, when they're stressed. What breath practice can I give them if they're in anxiety? How can I help them using tools of yoga? So, you know, they get it from me on the mat. Can we carry that forward into our groups, into, you know, day-to-day -day living within, within the treatment facility? Um, they're very, very willing and very open to new ideas in this regard. And as a matter of fact, one of the places that I'm working has, has agreed that I could be a part of one of their regular groups. So I'm going to come into one of their regular group setting, group therapy sessions, um, to be a part of that group and integrate myself into that. And I'm really looking forward to, to what that might show up as down the line. So that's really exciting that you're invited, you're being invited onto the team. Do you think that's a trend in general? Are you seeing signs of that in other areas? I haven't really yet, but that, you know, I can't speak for places other than where I, where I'm currently employed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it's, I think it's slowly starting to become more, uh, people are becoming more aware. It's going to be, it's really going to be up to us who, who work, start working in this field in this way to carry the message and to carry, uh, to carry it with professionalism and an understanding for what it is that we are walking into, a real understanding, not just, you know, oh yeah, I know they're addicts, but, but really understanding what that entails and being able to integrate ourselves within that uh, modality in order to really get the acceptance that we're looking for. And that's what I'm hoping to give people in these workshops. Um, this one is more about, uh, about the nuts and bolts of working with the clients, but the next one, the, the third one in the series is going to be talking more about how do you integrate yourself into the treatment center and what it, you know, some of the, the words that you'll hear and the things that'll come up that, so you'll understand um, what's happening with your clients when they're not on the mat with you. So for those of you who are wondering, we're going to talk about later in this um, session that she does have a class, a course coming up uh, at Yoga U Online. And you'll hear more about that in a moment. Yeah. But uh, Celeste, there's a whole gamut of substance disorder. And there's a wide spectrum of people along the road of recovery who are at detox, who are at maintenance. You're dealing with so many different things when you're dealing with substance use disorder, emotional trauma, self-esteem issues, but also physical discomfort and being a part of a community and you know things like anxiety and having to hold a job and all of that. And there's a wide spectrum of yoga practices. How do we put those two things together? Carefully, it, it's important. It's important to be um, be very present with your class. It's important to um, to to have familiarity with what you're working with. So knowing your material is very important. Um, it's also important to to be able to be creative with things because 
not there isn't a one size fits all and not everybody is going to you know necessarily respond the same way it's important to be able to go oh that's not working let's try this um, there's not there's not a there's not a uh, a need hopefully to be right as much as there is um, the ability to um, create um, to create an atmosphere of exploration mm -hmm. and curiosity in your students and in yourself. So if something doesn't work rather than go, oh, well, I, you know, well, it, that should work. Go, okay, so, so tell me about that. Do you know, talk to me about how that feels within you. What are you, what's going on? Okay, so let's try this, you know, mm -hmm. see how you feel with this idea. Um, it can be a breath practice. It can be a mantra. It can be, uh, depending on the person, if they're not very mobile, I have one man in the facility that I'm working at now who has had multiple back surgeries and he's very, very reticent to do much moving. So he's in a chair, you know, he's sitting, but he will do mantra and he will do breath and he will move his arms and he does mudras. So, you know, there are things that he can do even while maybe he can't do something else. And it's important to have a lot of flexibility as a teacher with, mm -hmm. with your people. I imagine too that you're, you're working in an untraditional way to some extent that you're not necessarily coming in with a sequence of asanas. Also imagine you're working in untraditional venues where um, you don't have props and the lighting isn't fantastic and not everyone wanted to be there. <laughs> is that true? All of that is true and, and, and multiples of that can be true at any given time. Um, in a high-end treatment facility, you may find that they have a separate yoga room, yoga studio available. Most treatment centers do not. Um, and so you'll, you'll find you may be working in a living room. You may be mm -hmm. working in the garage. Um, you may have an outside space. I am blessed with, with um, one of the places that I work at is very close to the beach. So when the weather is nice, we'll troop across the road to the beach and do class outside. Um, I much prefer that because getting people outside allows them to get in touch with themselves and how it feels to be outside, which is a really wonderful thing. So, you know, they can smell, they can, they can feel, they can hear things differently than you would necessarily do that inside a room. And, um, and it's much more pleasant. Some people, some teachers don't like it as well. I've had people say to me, well, if they're on the beach, then they can't, they're not as sure-footed. They can't be as stable. And I disagree with that, but, you know, I, I teach them how to dig their feet down in the sand. So, <laughs> you know, so it works. I'm imagining as well, uh, if you want to beef up, Tell me if I'm wrong about this, but that somebody who's dealing with recovery has lost a bit of proprioception, has lost a bit of a felt sense, has lost a connection, is maybe even disassociating in their bodies, that uh, taking them to a different place altogether, whether it just be with a pose or whether it be with sand on the beach, is going to in some way wake something up. 
One of the, it does. One of the things I've done recently is I, I took my, my group to a labyrinth that's close by. And it was, so we did a labyrinth walk as a walking meditation. Nice. And it was very interesting because I had several, I, I had a couple of people that I knew would really enjoy it. And I had a couple of people that I thought were going to either just sit out or, you know, just not participate. Everybody participated. And as, even especially the, the one person that I thought for sure was just going to be, you know, checked out of the whole thing because he's usually checked out of most things, um, was very thoughtful afterwards and talked about how he really started getting into the the sensation of his feet on the earth because they did go barefoot um, and you know what it was like by the response of getting them just getting them out of their normal comfort zone and putting them in someplace else and doing something different it was really well well received now one of the most interesting things that I find about the work that you're doing is how you're trying to look at the ancient uh, studies some some of the ancient uh, yogic say constructs like the the kosha model or the yamas and the niyamas and you're marrying them or you're weaving them together with the language of modern recovery programs can you talk a little bit about that yes um so one of the things that i'm aware of is that i come kind of from a special place having grown up the way i've grown up and um, and having been in a recovery program myself for a number of years, it has afforded me an understanding of of what to some extent what what these people are walking through and and what it is that's going on for them i'm I'm not an addict but but I still get the the concept of that disconnection from self. Um, because trauma was a part of my background, and so I understand what happens. Um, what I also know, though, is many yoga people, yoga teachers, yoga therapists may not have that common ground, and so it may be difficult for them to walk into a treatment setting and understand how these people are affected and how, how we can be of help. So what I wanted to do was create a program that allowed people who were studying this with Yoga University online to relate from a yogic standpoint to what was going on for the people that they're working with. And being able to tie the yamas and the niyamas and the koshas and the kleshas into that work is, I think, the best way to do that because it's something that people who are working in the field are familiar with. For people who are just kind of dropping in and are interested in what yoga can do for um, substance abuse recovery. Can you maybe uh, take us through one of those? Those are lots of Sanskrit terms and not everyone relates to the Sanskrit, but let's talk about say the kosha model, which I like is, a, so the kosha model is five subtle sheaths of the body that talk about the total person, the interrelation of our total uh, different kinds of energies. Uh, would you, in the way that you've been connecting these dots, can you talk about the, just take us through the five sheaths 
how those are affected by substance abuse disorder and how yoga can mitigate some of those. So the koshas, the five koshas in Sanskrit are anamaya, which is considered to be the food body, the, out, the external sheath, um, which also relates to the earth. It's the grounded portion of us. Um, prana, pranamaya, which is the energy. It's, you know, the, um, the, the life force of us. And, um, and it relates to water. Manamaya, which is the mental energy, the mental workings of our brain, which is, that relates to fire. Vignanamaya, which is wisdom or air. And Anandamaya, which is bliss and is considered the fifth element, ether. And although we're talking about the koshas here in kind of a linear way, the koshas are actually interconnected. Uh, you'll not, for instance, be able to view them on an x-ray or an MRI. You're not going to see layers like that in the body. Um, but it's more, it, it's more of an understanding of how to work with the pieces of humanity in a way that allows us um, to understand them without trying, without trying to abstract them. Um, so the physical body, Anamaya, um, is energy solidified into matter, okay? It's, it's taking the food that we eat and we're creating the physical body. Um, it's called the food layer because it's, it's created by the food. And the structure contains both the prana and the consciousness. So it's energy and everything else is a part of it, but not it, if that makes sense. When people get stuck in this layer, which is an addiction in and of itself in a way, eating and exercise or disorders can result from that. Um, they become very obsessive about food, either having it or not having it. So you'll get the you know, the overeaters and the people who are, you know, you have the, the, um, the eating disorder issues with bulimia and anorexia. Um, body consciousness becomes a big thing. You'll see a lot of people in the gyms um, who are working out, getting bigger muscles, or women who are being obsessed with being thin. Exercise can also be addictive, and it can be used as a compensation in food addiction. So people want to eat a lot, so they do a lot of exercise to compensate. It's very frequent and common in, um, in recovery for people to be recovering from substance use issues and also have uh, co corresponding food dysfunctional behavior as well. Um, so people identify most with this particular layer because it's what we move in most of the time. Um, sometimes, actually a lot of times in, in um, substance use disorder recovery, the people that you're working with your clients may only have awareness of this particular area when you start with them. Um, and their unhealthy behaviors in one area of their life will move on into other areas of their lives as well. You'll find that um, in treatment, usually they address food as an, as an issue um, within their groups with those people that need it. The other thing though is, is, is that, you know, you'll find people, I have one man that, I, that I'm working with now who works out with weights three times a day, uh. right? Because, because for him, it's critical that he keep that body image going. And that 
in and of itself can be problematic. So yeah. that's, that's what I'm talking about when I say the overdoing of, of these things, go, they go together. Um, we can give them tools like breath. Mm-hmm. Um, we can teach them balance with stretching compared to pumping iron, you know? How do we, how do we create balance in this? Um, we can help them learn how to, if you can teach them some meditation, that's also very helpful, even if it's just giving them a mantra to repeat mm-hmm. so that they can calm themselves when they're, try, when they're struggling with that um, anxiety, which results in, I have to go do something mm-hmm. physical. I think too, I'm, I just wanted to ask you about um, in the food body, but it is also the, the physical, the, the sort of the, um, um, the sinew and the, bo- the bones and the, you know, the actual carbon and all of that. Uh, the discomfort of detoxing or the discomfort of uh, abusing uh, a substance and the uh, detrimental effect it might have on your uh, organs, for example, your vital organs, or your um, even even in some cases with a f- eating disorder where you're getting osteoporosis because you're starving yourself, uh, that those that relationship uh, to me it seems quite easy to make that case. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the thing is, is that addiction is hard on the body. It is very hard on the body. Um, Because that is, it's, it's hard on the, it's hard on the whole being. Um, The body is where you will see it first. Mm -hmm. When people are detoxing, it's not pleasant. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. They hurt. They're exhausted. They feel like they have the worst flu that they've ever had. Um, depending on what they're detoxing from, it can be dangerous. Alcohol is actually the one, interestingly enough, alcohol detox is much more dangerous than detox from any other substance. Um, You can die from it if it isn't properly monitored and medicated. Um, That is not so with opiate addiction, for instance. I mean, it's not pleasant, not to say that it's it's an easy thing Mm -hmm. to go through, but people don't generally die from it, from the, from the but, detox. So now if we're separating out, and I know that these are subtle bodies and they're intertwined, so it's crazy to even say the word separate out, but right. uh, someone who's in active state of detox is really uncomfortable. What are some of the yoga tools that you would apply to that specific sheath? Hmm. Okay. So... When you're dealing with a class in a treatment center, there's a good chance you're going to have people in multiple different stages of recovery. You're going to have people who are in early detox. You're going to have people, and they may or may not show up in your class in early detox, but they may. And all the way to, you know, they're ready to move on into a sober living home and be somewhat more independent and go get their own, you know, get their jobs and do, do life again. Um, and that can be challenging too. You know, as anybody who has taught a, an all levels class knows, it's sometimes challenging to work with people at different levels of, of ability. This is an extreme of that. When somebody is detoxing, they are not strong, they cannot balance, and they are generally very anxious and they're not thinking clearly. So, and they don't feel good. So, you know, what I would 
what I will normally try to do is put them into a restorative position of some kind. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really fond of, of having someone lie on the floor with a bolster um, lengthwise under their back with their arms at their sides and opening up the heart and just, just lay open. Um, it feels really good. They love it, which is the best part about it. And if you can get someone early in yoga, early in their detox to really appreciate what it is that they're getting from your practice, you will have them hooked. And that is the piece that's really so important in my mind because yoga is a tool for someone in recovery that they can use. It's like a tool in the toolbox that they can pick up and help them stay sober for the rest of their lives. If they walk into treatment and their first experience with yoga is negative, they get a teacher in there that doesn't understand addiction, doesn't understand detox, um, tries to get them doing things like warrior three when they're mm -hmm. when they can't when they can't balance and they're not strong and they're going to hate it and they're going to hate it even more. In in um, recovery lingo, it's called contempt prior to investigation, and it's I mean that's that's a phrase right out of twelve step. It's what happens when I don't like it and I'm never going to like it and you're never going to make me do it ever again. And that's the mindset. And if that happens early on in their treatment process, they will probably never go to yoga ever again. And I really, my, my biggest hope is that by working with teachers so that they understand how to work with their clients, that people, not that it's not ever going to happen, but most of the people that we see in our classes can come to yoga and embrace it as a tool that they'll be able to use again and again and again. So my, my answer is put them in restorative. Maybe if you're, if you're comfortable with doing any hands-on, press your hands under their shoulders, let them release their shoulders back because they're usually standing around with their, you know, their shoulders up to their ears somewhere like here. And so it feels really good. If they feel good, they'll be back. And they'll be happy to be back. Makes a lot of sense. So I imagine you can go through the rest of the koshas and you could do an equally comprehensive uh, breakdown in that way. And so how has putting together the sort of the Vedic, the very ancient sage wisdom of the yogis and the 12 step or the, I'm saying 12-step, or maybe there are other systems that you work with. How is that weaving together? How's that gone for you? It's very exciting, Lynn. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying how it flows. And it's, it's interesting because my first um, awareness of this came in my 200-hour teacher training when I was reading some of the required books and texts. And I would see things there um, and I would go, oh, that's, that's the same as this particular slogan. This means that. And sometimes the wording is exactly the same, which is fascinating. It's not different. It's just another way of understanding it. We have, you know, the, the, the Vedic tradition was designed to help people who were out of balance to get into balance. And we are working with a group of people who are very out of balance and to help them get back into balance. So it's, it's it, it, they belong together. I mean, it is, it is a very logical connection. Um, and it's exciting to be able to bring that into treatment. It's exciting to bring it 
to my clients and to show them it's it's one of the, the interesting ways that you can introduce them to the, the similarities of yoga and recovery, whether you call it 12 step or, or something else. Um, because when you say things to them about, um, about something that's going on in their life or in their lives in the treatment center or whatever, or in the whatever topic or idea you're bringing into your class, and you talk about it from that perspective of the recovery language, and then you bring in the message from the ancient texts, they go, oh, that's, oh, it's the same, right? And that's what I want them to see. Because if I can get them to see it, then they will hold on to it and they will, yes, this belongs to me too. I need this too. And that's, it's part of that same idea. And yoga is, of course, about connection at the basics. Yes. It's about connecting, yes. yoking. And so uh, that has a wonderful synergy about uh, all of the connections that that makes. So it's, you do have, you've yeah. referenced it, but you do have a two-part course coming up for Yoga You Online, and it's called Carrying the Message to the Mat teaching yoga for substance use disorder. And you're going to cover a lot of these topics in much greater detail. I am, yes. Can you talk a little bit about what you'll be doing? And also, is this class just for teachers or would other people benefit from hearing? I think that, I think that if you have an interest in working in recovery, or you have, um, or you're in recovery, or you have family members that are in recovery, or need recovery um, that you would find this interesting. Um, I'm, I would think that somebody that would find value in this would probably have an interest in alternative methods of healing, right? Because this is what we're really doing is we're using yoga as a healing tool. And, um, but I think it could be very valuable for anybody with an interest in, in the area in any way. Um, the the tools that we're going to talk about are we're going to talk a little bit initially in the first in the first um, workshop coming up we're going to do a little bit of review on on trauma and a couple of other little pieces of that that have come up since we're going to talk about the the yamas and the niyamas as you reference them um, we're going to talk about the kleshas and the koshas. In the second one, actually, we're going to do the niyamas are part of the second one as well. And we're going to get into some of the languaging of um, the connections between Vedic text and words or phrases that are used in the 12 steps. So you're going to see how, how this all fits together. The other thing that you'll find in the handouts is some of the material that um, needs, needs video, the video you will you will see some of the things brought forward. One is the serenity salute, which is something that I created, I don't know, a number of years ago, which is a combination of the serenity prayer and movement, which is, it's a little bit of a, a variation on a half sun salute. It's not a big thing, but the movement, the movement and the words mean the same thing, if that makes sense to you. And that was the idea behind it is to bring 
the message from the head to the heart, which is a recovery saying, bring the message from here to here. And that's really what we're trying to do. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit, but you'll see it in the video. There's also a handout um, that you'll get that shows you that with, with, um, with stick figures. And, um, and there is a, another handout for the five, um, the five Tibetan rites that I've adapted for recovery. Um, the rights are the rights. I haven't changed them, but what I have done is is added in um, specific sort of verbal affirmations that they can say in between them. Normally, the rights have moments of silence, so it's that. Um, and I and I give that to people who are advancing in their practice, who want a little bit more, and I do get clients um, frequently in treatment who as they as they progress as they start to move into um, they get ready to move into sober living and they leave um, the the inpatient facility they want yoga more they want more of their own it is provided they get yoga three days a week that's not enough for them they want more so I give them something that they can do on their own and and you guys the people that will, will be taking this workshop will have that available for their clients as well. It sounds like a lot of layers and a lot of connecting of dots that would be uh, of great use in understanding the sort of the way that substance use disorder disrupts a life, but also how using these tools, these yogic tools can help to put everything back together. It sounds also really interesting. So I'm looking forward. Thank you, Lynn. I'm looking forward to it too. It was, it's been a real labor of love and I'm grateful for the chance to present it because I think it's exciting to be able to um, be of service in this way to people who need it so desperately. It is, it is a gift. Well, thank you for doing this work and thank you for sharing some of your work with us. And thank you for watching. And for Yoga You Online, we'll see you next time.